So, Randy, how would you explain the process of improvisation? Well, that's a kind of a loaded question because it's kind of a complicated life-altering and lifetime experience, and it entails a lot of daily practice and a lot of experience, and uh, it's a lifetime of work. Um, has to do with well, to simplify it, playing some of what you hear at the moment and playing some of what you know will work, responding to the music at hand, uh, responding to the uh, other musicians, going with the music uh, that you hear in the air. Uh, ultimately, the way I learned was to uh, start humming the melody, if there is a melody, and these days there doesn't necessarily have to be one, and playing around with the melody in the back of your head. Uh, but there is a specific, depending on what kind of music you play, uh, uh, theory involved, matching notes with chord changes, if you're playing in a bebop mode. Uh, rhythm is involved, and there's a every aspect of music is involved. So it's a kind of a complicated question to answer. And it's a like I said, a lifetime of work and a lifetime of study. One doesn't stop learning. We have what we call our vocabulary, just like a vocabulary, spoken vocabulary. As a musician we try to expand our vocabulary and learn new things, learn new phrases every day and try to internalize new phrases, commit them to memory, match them with tonality and chord changes, and constantly expand our working vocabulary. That's the part you know, and then the part you you just feel at the moment. That's the fun part, the spontaneity. And I always try to, as an improviser, try to be as spontaneous as possible. I think that's all the goal we shoot for. But to get to that point takes a lot of daily practice. And of course, there's the audience. Yeah, the fun comes when you're playing in front of a live audience and and everything you've learned, uh, as I said, is internalized. And you respond to the other musicians and hopefully there's a lot of communication and something new that you've never played before arises and comes out of your instrument. Um, I remember a friend of mine, Bob Moses, who was a very fine drummer who lives in America, mentioning to me once how hard we all study, and before we play, he tries to just completely empty his, his mind of everything he's already learned and start anew, and so he's uh, fresh. It's almost like a, a Zen exercise. So when was the first time that you were really aware that you could improvise? Well, I started out very early because my father was a piano player. Along with my classical studies, I started when I was eight years old, and he would take me down to where he had his piano and teach me songs. And like I said earlier, he would coax me to sing the melody in the back of my head and keep the melody in the back of my head and play around with the melody. Later on, uh, I would start playing with records, and I started with ballads, and I chose li relatively 
lyrical players to study, Miles Davis, Chet Baker, and, well, Shorty Rogers was probably the, was an early influence. They were kind of lyrical players with uh, not as much technique as some other trumpet players. And I started, like I said before, simply and just tried to copy what they did, starting with the melody, and then I would play around with the melody. How about demonstrating that for the studio audience here? For instance, I would start start with something simple and that a tune that has a relatively repetitive melody. One of my favorite players is uh, Sonny Rollins, tenor saxophonist. And I remember when I first moved to New York, hearing him play for the first time, and I walked in to the Village Vanguard, and he was playing a blues in B flat, and without Having to listen to too much, I knew the melody, uh, which blues he was uh, playing because he always related thematically his uh, improvisations to the melody, which is, uh, so maybe I'll play a tune called Sunny Moon for Two. First I'll play the melody and then I'll just improvise. Pretty much you'll hear, hopefully, if I can do it, around the melody. And I'll count it off since, uh, like I said, time is also involved. But say we, if you can hear me count, one, two, one, two, three, four. That's the whole melody. It's, it's a phrase repeated three or four times, and. If I was to start improvising, and I'd keep that in the back of my mind and kind of think what we say, what we call motivically, and maybe I'd take a phrase like just those four notes and go. So one, two, one, two, three, four. was one chorus because the blues is 12 bars so we were counting one two three four two two three four three two three four four two three four and the chord changes five two three four six two three four seven two three four eight two three four different chord nine two three four ten two three four eleven two three four twelve two three four boom that's one chorus in a simplified method. So now I'll play another chorus. Maybe I'll play two choruses. Remember the melody is... That's basically it. It's only two bars. And that's really all you need to play a few choruses just off that phrase. So let's try that. Now I'm getting into it. Okay, let me take this off. Okay, here's a couple choruses. And by the way, this is a blues. This is just like a lot of the rock and roll music and pop music you hear that has a kind of a different rhythm. But so much of uh, music, American music and Western culture pop music is based on this form, as a matter of fact. Go back to uh, people like B.B. King. It's the same chord changes. The way I'm playing is kind of a different feel, jazz feel. If you would hear the drums, the drums would be going ting, ting, a ting, take a ting, take a ting, take a ting. So you got to imagine that in the background. Okay, so here we go again. One, two, one, two, three, four. Uh, 
as I was saying, I was kind of really sticking to what we call the uh, melody notes, which is a minor blues scale. So that's a real simple form to work with for beginners. And uh, a couple times on that improvisation, just on purpose, I kind of played some notes that weren't chord tones that add a little uh, tension. So you could have some tension and release. And if you had heard a piano player, maybe we'd get into another tonal center for a second just to add a little, like I said, a little something a little different. But in improvisation, it's an all-encompassing word, so there's many styles of improvisation, many styles of music. For instance, I can improvise, and uh, I know Britain, there was a lot of, especially in the 60s, 70s, uh, a lot of free improvisation going on here as, as there was in America where form wasn't used and it was more shape and sound. And you weren't playing off a melody, you were playing off other musicians who were doing the same thing, more abstract improvisation. It was almost like seeing an abstract painting, so it was more shapes and sonic possibilities. And this will sound kind of very strange next to what I just played, which was about as inside as you could be. But let me just demonstrate... The term was avant-garde. It doesn't really apply, I think, anymore because it's uh, this style kind of emanated a long time ago. But let me just kind of demonstrate a completely different way to improvise. And this has to do somewhat, I, th I would say, maybe more with classical music and, uh, and not following any prescribed form like I counted before. I'll keep this kind of short because I don't know how popular this will be. But I'm just going to basically play off the top of my head without really thinking of anything. Just kind of anything that comes to mind. Kind of uh, just matching one note to another. That's fun to do with a lot of different horn players all kind of bouncing off each other. And there's no time, there's no form, there's no chord changes unless somebody happens to want to set up kind of a figure. So there are many different stratas in between of improvisation. So, you know, we could talk about this in different styles forever. For instance, improvisation is used a lot in pop music. 
uh, where the basic pulse is 16th notes. And while the first tune I played, the basic pulse was 8th notes, uh, and they're 8th eight, notes to a bar, da 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 in, in pop music and funk and rap, the basic pulse is more dugga 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 dugga. So I play something like I could slide into a funk groove, do it in C minor, and you think the drums are playing saka dooka daka boom boom saka dooka dooka daka dooka dung dung dung. It's all based on a scale, D minor. And a funk beat. So there's a myriad of different ways you can go when you improvise. And if you're a serious musician, you're able to navigate all these waters depending on what the situation is. So how do you think your playing has developed through the years? Well, I've just kind of added things to my repertoire songs I've hopefully somewhat added to my vocabulary. Phrases, patterns, licks. For instance, I mean, what we do is practice phrases that we think of for any on a daily basis. So I'll try to come up with things like I'll just demonstrate a couple licks. Some of these have turned into tunes, but they're just things that happen when I practice and I'll write things down and they'll become a part of my vocabulary so maybe I'll use them again so every like I said we play some of what we know and this is the part of some of like if we just can't think of anything spontaneously to play I might play or these are all kind of finger patterns that kind of came out as improvisations at one point, and I said, well, that phrase sounded good, so why don't I write that one down? And then if I see a chord like C minor, C sharp minor 7 to F sharp 7, which is a 2-5, I might play that phrase because it works over that chord change. If I see C minor 7 to F7, another lick I use a lot, and those of you who are familiar with my playing probably recognize things like... Now, these are all just things we do on a daily basis. We have to practice in different tonal centers to internalize these sounds. They're all based on scales. For instance, I'm weak in the key of A-flat minor, because that's a hard, you were asking about the trumpet earlier, that's a hard fingering. We only have three valves on the trumpet, and certain scales are harder to play just because you have to use the third valve a lot, and it's hard. Uh, other ones, you only have to use the first and second valve, but an A-flat minor, it's a kind of tricking fingering, and not only that, it's hard to internalize that tonality. So I just sit at home, and I practice in that key, and the scale is. So I might just 
figure out a, a feel and just kind of play in that key for a while just to once again to get it internalized that's the key word is get it inside my head and away from my fingers and just inside my head It's only a half step away from G minor. Up a half step. Down a half step. But for some reason, when I go down a half step, it's just easier to play on the trumpet. So a little minute harmonic change is difficult. So you have to constantly practice in all the keys practice different chords, different scales. Uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> How do you choose musicians to work with? Well, as a player, you kind of seek out players that you're compatible with. And and uh, that just happens. Uh, one goes, number one, to a place where there are a lot of musicians, London or New York are two good examples. And... When I first moved to New York, I just tried to play with as many different people as possible. Some I clicked with and some I didn't. That didn't mean that they were good or bad. It just meant that we, some players had the same kind of oral vision that I did, and, and uh, it was easier to play and, and have a conversation with them. And it's a question of, and I always tell young musicians this, to seek out players that you like playing with and uh, and get together and just play every day and get to know each other's playing. So I've been playing with a lot of the same players, and I always seek out new players, but I've been basically playing with a lot of the same players for 20 or 30 years that I really enjoy playing with. And we always find new avenues of expression. I have kind of a multi-directional attitude. I like going a lot of different ways, like I've described. Sometimes, for instance, I'm here in London playing with the Dizzy Gillespie Alumni Big Band, which is a really traditional, as we say, straight-ahead uh, big band, where we play bebop. And there's not much room. There's a definite right and wrong with the harmony of most of the songs, or t tightly tying into our harmonic structure that is very fixed and if you don't play within that structure a lot of the notes you play don't sound right other situations freer harmonic situations you're allowed to uh, structure your improvisations a little freer as I tried to demonstrate when I played that free piece there's a million other different ways in between it helps to listen to records and, and just study the whole history of the music and see how the whole thing has developed uh, in the last century, how jazz developed and how music developed in the last century, and including classical music and pop music. It's a, a really fascinating journey. And improvisation is involved in all of it, including classical music. All the great classical composers uh, of this and other centuries are uh, generally very good improvisers. What soloists in other styles have impressed you? Well, improvisation is a large part of, of pop music. I, 
I suppose I think of uh, partly maybe because I'm in London and I played with them throughout the years a few times. Eric Clapton is a good example of a of a great. He's a great guitar player and also a great improviser. All those solos, guitar solos, people don't realize this, but they're improvised just the same way I was doing it. It's kind of a rock and roll feel, and it's a lot louder and volume and the sonic possibilities are within that framework. But but. Uh, but there are a lot of great improvisers. He comes to mind in in uh, in rock music. When a group like I came up with Cream in the '60s, and that was a classic improvisatory rock group with Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce, or three guys, and they would just play for days, <laughs> improvising. How does your playing alter depending on who you're playing with? Well, I alter kind of the the edges of it, but the core is always the same. The sound is the same. And I think my personality kind of shows through, and a lot of the vocabulary also comes out, those things that I've practiced at home that I lick, so to speak. But I do vary the time feel, and I have been known, I'm a pretty flexible musician, so that I respond to what's happening around me. I don't know if you're familiar with the Woody Allen movie Zelig, where it was uh, kind of a fantasy about a uh, almost a chameleon-like person who had absolutely no personality, and he, his physiognomy and his whole personality and his physical presence would change depending who he was in a room with. He could even change color. Uh, my my musical palette maybe is not that extreme, but I'm pretty flexible, so if I'm in a room with guys that want to play some funk, I'll throw down some funk, as they say. And if I'm in a room with guys that want to play more traditional bebop, like the guys I'm playing with now, today, tomorrow at the Barbican, I'll do that. And if I'm in a room with a lot of musicians that want to play or play in a free context, I'm pretty good at responding to that. Too. That's why I tended to work a lot when I was younger, because I fit into a lot of different situations, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, you certainly did a hell of a lot of sessions and are still doing them. Um, when you get together with musicians now, though, to play, how much of it is spoken and how much of it is an unspoken communication? Well, there's a little spoken communication. You might talk about parameters uh verbally before you start, but a lot of it is unspoken, but there is a commonality in the fact that we all study and have all listened to the history of the music, so good musicians don't have to talk that much if they can really play, but we've all had the common history of study throughout the years, and we've all approached it our own way, and we constantly expand upon these days, what has developed in the uh, music industry, there are hundreds of, of play-along records where you can buy CDs, and they have a rhythm section playing. And I use these records daily. In fact, most of them are made by a friend of mine, Jamie Abersold, who I went to college with. And you put on these records, and there's a fixed rhythm section. And if you want to keep your chops up and expand your <coughs> repertoire... I put on these CDs and I play along, and some of them are great. They have really good musicians on there. But what separates that from the live music experience is the fact that you want to communicate. When you're playing with live players, the thing that makes it fun is you want to have a communication with the other musicians. 
and maybe you'll play something that the piano player might respond to and say something back, then you'll repeat something back, or the bass player or the drummer will rhythmically give you an idea, and that'll set you off in a whole new direction. So I think that is a very important word, communication. It's it's not like you want to give a speech. You really want to have a conversation with the players you're playing with. Could you just maybe explain your mental state while you're actually playing? Well, you try to keep your mind open, but when you're playing, you try to think ahead. It's like you're in three places at once. You have to remember what you played because you don't want to repeat yourself. You have to know where you are if you're playing with it, especially if you're playing uh, a form. And you also have to think ahead and try to plan something coherently that people will be able to respond to. You do also want to communicate to your audience. So these are all things floating around your head when you're playing. It's hard to describe. It's just kind of a, I don't know, a kind of abstract circular thing that kind of goes on in your head with your mind being a bunch of different places. But the most important thing is that moment that you're in right then and there. That's what makes it so fascinating. The very moment where you are in the tune or where you are in the free piece or whatever it is, uh, improvisation is really music of the moment. And that's why musicians seem to live in the moment. Uh, that's the most, probably the most important part of it.